Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. WHK, Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group, Inc. does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones industry average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. So let's supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. Their securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. I hope you are enjoying your wonderful summer. The weather has been almost perfect this week. And there's more good news this weekend. With lows in the 60s and highs in the 70s, we may get some showers early next week. But the lows will be in the low 60s and the highs will be in the high 70s. Knock on wood. 
We're almost through the dog days of summer already without a drought in sight. The showers have been watering my place right on schedule. Everything is a healthy shade of green. The corn and the soybean crops look good. The roadside vegetable stands are open for business. The sad part is that vacations are wrapping up now. With the children and grandchildren getting ready to go back to school or college, the summer has been great because the grandchildren are out of school and available for travel. But once school starts, the school days are long, you know, with the classes and the extracurricular activities. But now with the grandchildren going back to high school and college, my vacations will be over until the holiday season, <laughs> until Thanksgiving starts. Okay, now with the, with the uh, summer vacations over, or almost over, we can now pay attention to uh, what's happening in the world and how that's affecting our investment. This week, global equities were mostly up. In the United States, the three major stock indices were up. Up there, that's basically three weeks in a row now. While in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up, and in the uh, European Union, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe uh, 600 were both up for the week. The stocks Europe 600 was up 1.2% for the week. In Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, up uh, 1.3% for the week. While in China, the Shanghai Composite was up, while Hong Kong Hang Seng was almost up for the week. It was, it was down one-tenth of one percent. But everything was generally up. On Friday, the three major stock indices closed at, the Dow Jones closed at 33,761.05. So it was up 2.92 percent for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,280.15. So it was up 3.26% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 13,047.19. And it was up 3.08% for the week. Although we're still down from where we started at the uh, uh, start of the year, Basically, the standard and poor 500 is down, uh, still down 10.28% year to date. And the NASDAQ composite is down 16.6% year to date. Well, this week, equities were up because investors received good news uh, this past Wednesday. This past Wednesday, the Department of Labor uh, Labor's Consumer Price Index report for July showed that uh, inflation moderated in July. The monthly CPI, Consumer Price Index, for July, from from June, uh, was flat at 0%, basically because gasoline prices had fallen uh, 7.7% in July. And the CPI for the past 12 months, ending in July, decreased 8.5% from the uh, number of uh, 9.1% for the previous 12 months ending in June. So in June, the CPI number for the uh, 12 months, preceding 12 months, was 9.1%, and in July, it went down to 8.5%. 
And that was basically the first decrease in the CPI in quite a while. So it looked like the CPI was going up and up and up. But we all know that gasoline prices have been coming down, down, down for the last month. So that was an indication that maybe we would get a respite from the, the increases that we did. So investors are hoping that uh, uh, this marks the uh, peak of inflation and that the uh, recent decelerations in consumer price growth will encourage the Federal Reserve to slow the pace of their uh, interest rate increases. Now, the fear is still here that the Federal Reserve interest rate increases will tip the economy into a recession. So I think it'll take more than one data point or even two or three data points to slow down the Federal Reserve. It seems like they have a crusade for higher interest rates. and But we may get more insight into the Federal Reserve thinking at the annual conference at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, later this month. Uh, remember, that even with its easing in, in inflation from 9.1% in June to 8.5% in July, inflation is still near the highest it's been in 40 years. And... The Federal Reserve is looking particularly at the wage increases of 5.2% over the last 12 months. Uh, That really hasn't put uh, people back in shape because inflation has been up basically eight or nine, you know, eight, eight and a half or 9.1%. And they got raises of only 5.2%. But the Federal Reserve looks at that as, uh, the uh, possible introduction to wage price spiral, which is one of the things that the Federal Reserve is most sensitive about. So uh, their question in their mind is how to get that down, particularly because the increase in wages in the in the uh, month of uh, July uh, amounted to one half of one percent uh, for the month. So uh, the latest. Uh, uh, Department of Labor employment situation uh, that pre- presented that uh, increase in the uh, uh, wage uh, data. So uh, the thing about wage increases are that you know they're sticky and uh, it will be difficult to slow slow down the wage increases and get them down without a recession. Still, equity markets are down sharply for the year because of the Fed, and uh, many, many uh, money managers caution that it's too soon to say that the central bank would ease up on its campaign to quell inflation. Uh, They're looking at all the possible things that could possibly happen. Wild cards remain, such as the energy prices unfolding in Europe. Uh, You know, Europe is putting on a good faith with regard to what's happening to their Energy, you know, uh, Russia uh, is announcing new plans just about every month as to how much they're going to cut back on their gas supplies to Europe, be it here or there or everywhere. So there, there's a race to get their uh, gas storage, natural gas storage, built up before winter hits in. in uh, November or December, and uh, they've come up with some plans that uh, 
well, certain industries are going to have to decrease their their use of natural gas, and and maybe we'll have to uh, reduce. Countries will have to reduce their uh, natural gas usage, uh, and it's leading to certain internal uh, unity problems where um, you know countries in southern Europe like. Uh, uh, Italy and uh, uh, Spain and uh, Portugal, uh, they get their gas from North Africa. So whenever you talk about we're going to have to make uh, sacrifices uh, with regard to the natural gas, they're thinking, well, maybe not. You know, so this is kind of a <clears throat> kind of a replay of the Greek uh, bond crisis years ago, where uh, the northern part of Europe was load, lording it over the southern part of Europe because of their the northern people were frugal and the southern people were spendthrifts. Well, uh, now the uh, now it's turned it around, and now we're talking about natural gas and who's going to take the hits and who's not. So, then uh, on uh, according to the Wall Street Journal. The bond market reflects the concerns about the recession even more than a possible recession, even more than the equity markets. Yields are currently higher for the U.S. government bonds that mature in a year or two than they are for long-dated bonds, like the 10-year Treasury note. Uh, That's called an inversion, and that occurs when investors are wary about near-term risks, and uh, that... uh, uh, inversion process often occurs, uh, often precedes a recession, but not every time. It's not a foolproof thing. The inversion on the one-year and the 10-year note earlier this week hit its deepest point since 2008. That's according to the financial services for, uh, firm uh, TradeWeb. That's according to that Wall Street Journal article. The yields on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note He's down to 2.848% on Friday from 2.886 on Thursday. And the two-year Treasury note edged up to 3.257%. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about the Department of Labor's Consumer Price Index report later in the show. In addition, it was more good news, in addition to the Consumer Price index peaking in uh, July, hopefully peaking in July. Data on Thursday showed that uh, U.S. uh, suppliers raised prices at the uh, slowest annual pace since uh, last fall. Uh, That was also due to a drop in the energy prices. Uh, We'll talk about the details of the Department of Labor's uh, uh, producer price index for July report, that's the factory gate report. Uh, the report shows uh, producer price index fell one half of one percent in July from June, and increased only nine point eight percent for the uh, previous twelve months ending in July. That was compared to eleven point three percent for the inflation rate uh, ending the twelve months ending in June. So it went down. From 11, the producer price index uh, went down from 11.3% in June to 9.8% in uh, July. 
And uh, there was even more good news on Friday regarding import prices. So you remember we talked before about the the three things we look at in terms of inflation are basically the consumer price index. And that's, hey, how much we're going to pay as consumers. And uh, then we also talk about the producer price index, which is what the uh, factories and producers are going to, uh, the price increases that they're going to drop on the distributors and people like this. And then finally, uh, the import price increases. So on Friday, the U.S. import prices, uh, the Department of Labor reported showed that the import prices decreased 1.4% in July from June. And uh, after increasing uh, three-tenths of 1% uh, uh, in June from uh, May. So U.S. import prices uh, did rise 8.8% over the 12-month ending in June. So uh, that's after increasing 10.7% over the 12 months uh, ending in June. So the... Long the 12 month numbers for the import prices went down from 10.7 in June to 8.8% in July. And the month over month, uh, from June to July, import prices went down 1.4%. So uh, the decreases in the consumer price index, the producer price index, and the import uh, price index were basically all due to a dramatic decrease in energy prices in uh, July. That's good news, but the bad news remains that inflation is still too high. In other words, if you take a look at the consumer price index over the last 12 months, we're looking at 8.5%. The producer price index over the last 12 months, 9.8%. And the import prices over the last 12 months, up 8.8%. For the year. So even if the food and the energy prices come down, the core uh, consumer price index and core uh, producer price index, uh, and and by core, I mean that's where we're neglecting the the effect of uh, prices of food and fuel. And we still have core numbers for the consumer price index of 5.9% over the last year. And the producer price index, core producer price index, has gone up 5.8%. Uh, the Federal Reserve job is still to get those numbers down to 2 or 3%. And uh, all of that is going to be a heavy lift. Uh, and uh, as much as people would like to see the end, uh, the Federal Reserve is still going to and keep on pushing the rates up. Uh, the only question right now that comes about from this new data on this this looks like peaking of the uh, inflation is that uh, will the next uh, uh, increase in the federal funds rate or the overnight rate is is it going to be a half a percent or three quarters of a percent? The last uh, two meetings of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, they increased it by three-quarters of a percent in uh, each one of those meetings. So the overnight rate 
uh, for uh, the uh, overnight loans, the overnight rate is uh, approximately two, the maximum number is two and a half percent right now. And by the end of it, expected to be somewhere between three and three and a half percent. They still have three more meetings in uh, September and I think November and December uh, before the end of the year. So uh, they'll keep pushing it up until uh, uh, inflation comes down. And from what you see, uh, even if inflation does come down uh, to a certain point, if we if we can get the uh, uh, food and fuel there, that still means that everything else other than food and fuel is still up there, close to six percent. So uh, the job then is to get that down to uh, two or three percent. So in any case, they'll have their hands full, and we'll be sitting on the sidelines watching the uh, uh, stocks and bonds go up and down. So. Uh, to me, uh, all of this is relevant to our investments, but the most critical thing we have to pay attention to is the, our, our financial plan. In other words, we do have our goals. Uh, retirement is one of them, depending upon, well, depending upon the, the age. Uh, uh, it's everything from starting a family and uh, buying a house and educating the kids and, and uh, retirement, all these uh, goals have uh, a schedule associated with them. We know approximately when we're going to retire. We could take a look at the kids and say, oh, uh, the big bills are, are going to start to roll in at a certain period of time. They're rolling in already. If you, if you have a house and a standard of living, uh, is to me, all those things have to be planned for, and you have to allocate your resources. Your, by resources, I mean uh, most people' uh, resources are their income. So, allocate your incomes to meet those uh, future goals, and utilize the, your investments uh, to make that money grow. So, that means you got to put together a plan, and, and uh, it starts with the goals. It starts with how much and when uh, the costs are going to hit. It starts with the investments, uh, how you're going to allocate your paycheck into the savings and to, into your investments, and uh, how you're going to stay on top of this thing for probably uh, the rest of your life. So uh, even when you get to be 65, uh, it's not over then, even when you retire. Uh, because you still have inflation to contend You may have inflation to contend with. Right now, uh, it's pretty high. Hopefully, we'll get it down. Hopefully, we'll have a, uh, a respite for several years like we did from, uh, uh, you know, the last time we ran into inflation was in the uh, the late 70s, from 19, uh, 1970 to 1980. And uh, basically, inflation got up to 16% at that time, and that was cured by uh, the the uh, uh, increase in the overnight rate of about uh, 20% by uh, Volcker, Paul Volcker, who was the head of the Federal Reserve at that time. That ended up in the big recession, where the unemployment got up to 10%. So 
And ever since then, inflation has been reasonably under control. Uh, so we have to get it down to that point again. And the idea, and that's what the Federal Reserve is going to be looking at in terms of saying, okay, uh, in order to have a sustained uh, economy and a growing economy, we've got to get this inflation under control. And uh, uh, we have to, as, as, as the consumers, and uh, individuals have to be able to work around all this uh, changes in investment, changes in interest rate, changes in home prices, and all the rest of the stuff. So we have to manage all that uh, within our financial plan. So um, have we done it before? Yes, we've done it before. Uh, have other people done it? Have our parents done it? Sure. Uh, we'll get through it, too. So. Uh, this is uh, Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Flow. You can give us a call. We have a toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You can give us a call over that number. That's 1-888-281-1110. And uh, ask about uh, things that you're interested in. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is located at 47149 Bursley Road in Wellington, Ohio. 44090 and can be contacted at 440-647-2793. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalies. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese, and uh, uh, we've got a lot to talk about with regard to consumer price index and producer price index and, and uh, uh, how the uh, small businesses are doing and uh, the uh, what else do we have? The uh, uh, consumer sentiment, according to the uh, uh, the University of Michigan. So. Um, 
Let's see. Jim, uh, let's we talk have... About- Yes. We have a question for you if you want to help out a listener. His name is sure. George, and he writes or he um, said that he filed for Social Security benefits at full retirement age, but his wife, however, filed for spousal benefits at 62. And his question really is if he, if he dies first, Will the fact that she claimed benefits before full retirement age reduce the size of her survivor's benefit? Oh, okay. Good question. There is a there is a uh, a little uh, <laughs> there is a little possibility of an issue there. For instance, if, if George, if you die first, and if your wife has reached her full retirement age at the time you die, you'll be She'll be eligible for 100% of your benefits. In other words, that's the uh, survivor benefit. So uh, you you went to full retirement age, so you got your full benefit. Now, if if she's past uh, full retirement age, uh, then uh, she'll get 100% of your benefit. She won't be penalized because... Uh, she she claimed Social Security at sixty two. Uh, her her benefit just goes aside, and it, everything focuses on the uh, survivor benefit. But if you there's always a but if your wife hasn't reached her full retirement age when you pass on, her benefit as the survivor will be uh, something less than a hundred percent of your benefit. So. Uh, the size of the reduction will depend upon how close she is uh, to her full retirement age, and the closer she is, the smaller the reduction will be. So uh, it's it's important that uh, you know it really depends upon your ages. Now, if she's uh, uh, if she's full, uh, if she's reached her full retirement age right now, then hey, there's nothing at all to worry about. There won't be any reduction at all in the benefits when uh, you pass on. So I uh, hope that answers your question, George, and, uh, uh, um, you know, have a good day and a good what's left of a, of a good summer. So this is Jim McAlee. Uh You're listening to Get Rich Low. Let's go back and talk about the, uh, the CPI numbers, the Consumer Price Index numbers. Uh, all of us have been watching the prices go up and up and up and up. And, uh, hey, you know, we all, we're all buying food and gasoline. And so we buy these things on a regular basis. So these numbers are hit a square in the face every time we're in the store or filling up the gas tank. And the, the Department of Energy, U.S. Department of Energy, keeps track of these prices with their uh, consumer price index report each month, and uh, uh, you know the consumers are concerned about pay the uh, prices have been surging faster than anticipated for ten of the last eleven months. Well, on Wednesday, the U.S. Department of Labor reported that the uh, U.S. inflation slightly uh, eased slightly. Uh, but remain close to their four-decade high in, in July, you know. And basically, the, the inflation eased slightly because of the, the uh, cooling energy prices. So 
uh, inflation slowed down more than expected when uh, uh, consumer prices were basically flat for the month. In other words, if you take a look at the consumer price index, there's two numbers you look at. One's the month-to-month variation in the consumer price index, and the other is the year-to-year. And uh, uh, last month, the uh, inflation, uh, the CPI number increased 1.3% in June from May. And in uh, this latest report, it it was flat. It did not increase any from uh, uh, in July from June. So, if you take a look at the uh, over the last 12 months, uh, the inflation, the CPI number over the past 12 months, ending in July, was up 8.5 percent, and uh, that's opposed to the uh, 12-month number for the CPI of 9.1% in June. So uh, that was a big uh, relief in terms of inflation has indicated it was going down. Uh, the CPI uh, uh, the CPI didn't increase in July from June because the gasoline prices fell 7.7% uh, from June. That offsets uh uh, other monthly increases, for instance, uh, food increased 1.1% uh, in July from June and uh, half a percent in uh, shelter prices from, uh, uh, from June. And the shelter is important because it's a fairly, it's about one third of the consumer price index. <laughs> Excuse me. If we eliminate food and fuel, then we come up with the core CPI, and the core CPI increased three tenths of a percent in July from June. Excuse me, and that was due to increases in shelter prices, uh, medical care, motor vehicle insurance, and uh, uh, house furnishings, new new vehicles and also recreation. Excuse me. Uh, The good news is that inflation over the past 12 months has gone down from from 9.1% in June to 8.5% in July. The bad news is that the decrease uh, was predominantly due to a decrease in the price of gasoline. And uh, while inflation uh, did go down in July, uh, inflation is still way up there. For instance, if I take a look at the progress in uh, the inflation numbers, the year year number for July, the consumer price index was eight and a half percent. If I go back to June, it was nine point one percent. In May, it was eight point six. April was eight point three. March was eight point five. February was seven point nine. January was 7.5. So uh, if you notice that, uh, if we take a look at January, January 7.5, February increased to 7.9, March increased to 8.5, and then we show a dip in the 
the CPI numbers from March to uh, April it went down to 8.3. And then it went up in May, went up in June, and then came down in July. I just hope that, uh, hey, I hope that uh, uh, this isn't one of those uh, steps down like we saw from uh, March to April. And we're going to step up again. I don't think that's the case, but we'll find out as time goes by. Basically, it's too early to say that inflation is peaked. And we need to wait and see how these things work out. Uh, the core CPI number uh, works out a little bit better. For instance, the January number, the 12 month number for the core CPI. Was 6.0 in February was 6.4, March was 6.5, April 6.2, uh, May was 6.0, and then uh, 5.9 in June and 5.9 in uh, July. So uh, that seems to indicate that if we eliminate uh, the effects of food and fuel, we're we're coming down to close to, uh, you know, we're coming down to 5.9%, which is great news, but it's still a lot higher than 2 or 3%. In fact, consumer spending is held firm in the uh, case of inflation. I think uh, consumer spending is up 1% last month. And that's basically, uh, even though the income uh, are going up, they're not going up as much as inflation. And... Uh, uh, some economists fear that the uh, the Fed will go too far in tightening policy, and uh, if they go too far, that's going to impact spending, and then uh, uh, the spending generally increase uh, impacts the whole economy. So, a slowdown in economic growth is what happens then. The shelter costs, which are the biggest uh, <clears throat> component. In the CPI numbers, they make up about one third of the overall CPI index, and they were up 5.7 percent over the last uh, year, and that's the most since uh, 1991. And economists don't expect housing inflation to peak until later this year. In other words, it's basically based upon home prices and things of this nature, which are still going up, even though home sales are going down, uh, uh, suggesting further increases in that uh, housing inflation number. Used car prices, uh, which have been cooling in, in the recent months, they cooled uh, uh, four-tenths of one percent in July, and that was the biggest decrease uh, this year. And, but new vehicle prices, uh, climbed six tenths of a percent in uh, July. Those are those two numbers that I just mentioned are not uh, uh, year to year. Those are month to month. Uh, gross prices rose ten point nine percent in July, so from July of last year, and that's the most since nineteen seventy nine. While electricity increased fifteen point two percent. Uh, from uh, 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 July of last year, uh, rents or primary uh, residences increased 6.3% from a year ago. 
and the largest increase since 1987. So the CPI report shows that the price for necessities continues to rise at fairly high rates. Energy prices, basically from a year ago, are up uh, um, something like, uh, I think, 32.9%. And uh, that includes uh, a jump of... uh, 44% 44% in gasoline costs over that 12-month period. And although gasoline prices uh, declined 7.7% in July from uh, from June, uh, gasoline prices have, have been sky high. We all know that, you know. And the month before last, gasoline prices uh, increased 59.9% over the uh, past year, and this month, July, they, uh, not this month, but in July, they only increased 44%, and only is a big word there. <laughs> and there are growing risks that price pressures in some categories will continue to build. Uh, for instance, Russia's ongoing war in Ukraine, as well as uh, stepped-up uh, sanctions. Uh, basically, Russia's reduction in uh, Natural gas and and uh, natural gas supplies to Europe uh, as winter approaches. Also, uh, you know, even with regard to oil prices, uh, Goldman Sachs uh, they had put out a note that says uh, oil future futures could be as high as one hundred thirty dollars a barrel. Uh, that's uh, from the present ninety two dollars a barrel for gasoline. Uh, and, and uh, that could bring up the, the prices. The prices for gasoline in the in my in Wellington area are basically uh, about three dollars and sixty five cents a gallon. So certainly on the west coast, they're a lot more expensive than that. But the numbers you see are uh, daunting to say the least. In other words, if I take out if I take out the uh, uh, food and fuel, uh, what I'm seeing is the, the year-over-year increase is 5.9%, and the month-over-month increase in July is three-tenths of 1%. So uh, it's not going to be that easy to get down uh, the uh, cost of housing. Uh, I'll just give you an idea of what the month-over-month has been. Used cars. Uh, up 10.4 percent. New that's new vehicles. Used vehicles 6.6 percent. Shelter 5.7 percent. Rent 6.3 percent. Medical care 5.1 percent. Transportation services 9.2 percent. All those numbers are pretty high, and it's going to be difficult to move those things down from 5 or 6% down to 2 or 3%. So that's why the Federal Reserve, that's what people are looking at or talking about uh, a recession, that uh, uh, you're going to get to a point where maybe you get food and fuel under control, but uh, these other numbers, it might take more than, might take a lot of pressure to get those down. Okay? so. 
This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. <clears throat> We're talking about what's happening in the big picture and so we can try to figure out what's happening in our own financial plan. Uh, you know, we take a look at the consumer price index uh, for July. It's starting to go down. Hopefully it continues on down. The, the uh, downward uh Dip is basically due to the reduction in gasoline prices and energy prices. And then we take a look at the producer price index, which is basically the factory gate uh, increases. And uh, basically, those are prices that uh, increases that the suppliers are charging businesses and other customers. And that also slowed down a bit in July. And uh, Although prices remain higher, uh, much higher than they were a year ago, uh, over the last 12 months, they've uh, producer price index increased 9.8% and for the period ending in July. And uh, um, that's basically the lowest increase since uh, October of last year. And uh, that's lower than the... Uh, uh, 11.3% increase in a uh, year-over-year increase that we saw in June. So uh, according to the Department of Labor, they put out their producer price indices for July, and what it shows is that the uh, producer price producer prices uh, went down a half a percent in July from June. That was a month-to-month uh, Occurrence, and then the year-over-year year, uh, number for the producer price index uh, came down from 11.3 to 9.8. And then, if you take out food and fuel, what you're showing is that uh, the core uh, principal prices index producer price index uh, increased only two tenths of a percent in. Uh, in uh, uh, July, whereas the yearly increase was 5.8%. Uh, that compares to the yearly increase of 6.4% in June. So producer price decreased at a, at a half a percent uh, in July from the previous month, and then that is the, the first decline since April of 2020 when the pandemic drove the U.S. economy into a recession, uh, the so-called core price index, which excludes the uh, volatile categories of food and energy and uh, also supplier margins, uh, that climbed two-tenths of a percent in uh, July from the previous month. And 
the previous month is it was up three tenths of a percent in the annual numbers for the producer price index in July. The core producer price index is 5.8 versus 6.4 in June. So it's going in the right direction there. Uh, The U.S. suppliers raised prices in in July at the slowest annual pace since uh, last fall as energy costs dropped. Uh, It dropped um, basically 9% over the whole energy uh, spectrum, uh, adding to signs that the price pressures in the economy have eased on down. Uh, Basically, the producer price index captures what suppliers are charging businesses and other customers, it generally reflects the changes in cost that producers are facing, along with the pricing power that they command, uh, which in turn can signal uh, inflationary pressures building up throughout the the production. Basically, if you take a look at your factories and producers, uh, they're seeing the wage increases, they're seeing increases in uh, their uh, goods in terms of the parts necessary to complete the, uh, complete a uh, piece of machinery or things of this nature, increases in raw materials, uh, reduction in efficiency due to this uh, screw-ups in the, the uh, uh, supply chains, all these things end up as increases in the prices that the producers are charging um, us is uh, keep charging their distributors, and they, in turn, the distributors, in turn, have their own problems, and they increase it and pass it on to us as the consumers. So, uh, basically, what you're seeing in the big picture is that the economy looks good, although it's slowing down, and uh, it's, uh, you know, Companies are uh, producing products. Uh, they're making uh, money. They're making earnings. If we take a look at the earnings for the first quarter, but, you know, for the standard and pool companies, the 500 biggest companies in the United States, uh, their earnings for the first quarter were up 10% above the first quarter of the previous year. And uh, uh, the second quarter numbers look good. They'll probably be... 9 or 10% above the second quarter of last year. So what you're seeing is uh, the economy is rolling along. The labor market is particularly tight. Everybody needs workers. Wages are going up, but not enough to cover inflation. Uh, Companies are making money. The earnings are going up 10% per year. It is all well and good because... uh, except for one thing, and that is that these uh, inefficiencies and, and uh, increases in prices come along, it's all getting passed down to the next guy in terms of increased inflation. So the economy looks good, the earnings look good, uh, but we still have this high inflation. And, uh, and we have the, uh, the, federal, the, federal, the Federal Reserve trying to... Uh, uh, face the challenge of this tightening monetary policy. Basically, their idea is to cool down the hot economy and the labor market, slow demand enough to curb inflation, but basically not enough to set off a recession. And that's your 
that, that's where they're looking at. They're looking at the soft landing, and other people are saying, well, you're still going to need a recession to get these uh, core prices down, these wages and all the rest of the prices down. So, uh, indeed, federal officials have increased interest rates in June and July. Uh, they're going to meet three more times uh, this year. And uh, I think by the end of the year, we'll be looking at uh, three, maybe three and a half percent increases in the overnight rates. Uh, the producer price index report comes a day after the Labor Department said that uh, consumer prices rose only 8.5% in July from the uh, from um, um, a year ago. And uh, uh, producer price index uh, fell because of the energy prices. The energy prices uh, fell about 9.9% at the producer's level. And uh, food and commodity prices rose 1% in July from a month earlier. After declining in June, prices for fresh and dried vegetables, eggs, as well as beef and veal rose briskly last month. That's according to the producer's price index. I would expect you, I would expect you to see uh, decreases in beef prices because of the uh, the drought in uh, Texas is uh, is causing uh, herds to be decimated, and uh, uh, they don't have the grass, they don't have the hay, they're not getting the rain. Uh, they're selling off the herds, and uh, that'll give us uh, decreased uh, meat prices for a while. Uh, but sooner or later. Uh, the prices in the meats will go up because there isn't any uh, herds left in certain areas of Texas. So if you take a look at the National Federation of Independent Businesses, uh, these are the small business people, uh, their commentary in their report, their latest report, says uncertainty in the small business sector is climbing again with more owners unsure of what's coming their way. The news is dominated by recession talk, but labor shortages remain challenging. The stock market has posted significant losses. Food and housing are in shorter supply and very expensive. Uh, fuel prices are starting to ease up. When it comes to uncertainties, the list goes on. And small businesses on Main Street, who account for about 40% of the gross domestic product in the United States, and the employment are trying to run their businesses in the face of supply chain disruptions, labor shortages, uh, double-digit inflation, uh, all while global risk rise. <laughs> it looks like a litany of, needless to say, the small business owner is not totally optimistic about uh, the future what's coming down uh, the pike. So, uh, but hey. The, the small business uh, companies, the small business person, uh, they'll survive somehow by hook or by crook. And uh, that's basically the name of the, the game. If you take a look at their optimism index, uh, uh, this is the, uh, it stands at 89.9. The 48-year average is 98, so it's well below the average. And basically the index is... 
decline every month this year. So um, 37% of owners reported that inflation was their single most important problem in operating their businesses. Well, uh, I guess that's true for everybody, consumers and business owners. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This summer has probably been a wonderful learning experience for everyone. But life itself is always a learning experience. And what we learn changes us, hopefully for the better. Some of the things I've learned along the way were written by Ralph Waldo Emerson in his Prescription for Life. Emerson's prescription was to laugh often and to love life. To win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children. To earn the approval of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends. Also to appreciate beauty. Also to find the best in others. And to give of oneself without the slightest thought of return. The prescription includes things like to have accomplished a task. To leave the world a better place, whether by a healthy child, a rescued soul, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition. Part of the prescription is to played and laughed with enthusiasm, sung with exultation. To know that even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. And it will be easy to follow Emerson's prescription. And, and basically make it our own. So, what we have to do is follow those rules, and until we meet again next week, for more of Deborah's flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Two seven nine three. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.